community. Welcome to another episode of our podcast, the Philo Podcast. Our goal is to help you become more effective so that your church can become more effective. And we do that through this podcast, through cohorts. We just had a new one start last week. Through our book, I Love Jesus, But I Hate Christmas. The Philo Conference, which is May 2nd and 3rd at Willow Creek in South Barrington. Illinois, which is the Chicagoland area. And we have a new offering that we're getting ready for the upcoming Christmas season. If you've been following us for a few years, you've noticed that we've been doing some Advent devotionals. And this year we've gathered some more from part of the Philo community. And we're really excited to be announcing more details on that in the near future. So stay tuned on social media, or you can sign up for our newsletter to get alerts about our Philo Advent plans for this year. On a different note, I was serving at my church this past weekend and I had an amazing time with the team and I was filling in for our TD who was getting married this past weekend. Congratulations, James. And as a result of him not being there, we bumped into a few problems that he would have normally probably taken care of. And at the end of it all, we had to open doors 10 minutes late. And so there was a little bit of stress around the ending rehearsal on time situation and needed to get a lot of stuff done. But one of the huge benefits of ending the rehearsal late is that some of our volunteers were able to learn new things about formatting graphics and Dante connections for video playback and all kinds of other things that had our TD been there, he would have just taken care of and none of us would have learned anything. And for me, this was a really good reminder that while it's super important to set our teams up for success each week and to try to eliminate as much stress as possible, there's also something really good about providing opportunities for our team to stretch and grow in tasks that they're doing at church. And this past weekend, yeah, we needed some extra time to get ready for the service, but we developed people in the process, myself included. And as a result, it gives the team more capacity than we had before the morning started. So yeah, it was a really great weekend and just a great reminder that excellence and development can happen simultaneously. And yeah, it's okay to open doors a few minutes late if it means we're learning and growing and getting better for next week. Okay, enough about that. Let's get to our podcast today. I'm joined by Toby Walters. He is the founder of Church Gear. I love what they're doing. I feel like I'm on the website all the time. Anyway, Toby and I had a good chat about his story and it was really great. So let's dive in. Welcome, Toby. Thank you. Always yeah. a pleasure to be yeah. on the show. Yeah, I don't nice. know why I say always since this is my first time, but <laughs> yeah. that's what yeah, we, they say. That's what people do say, yeah. So it's uh, great to have you on. We've been on a podcast before, the Church Gear Podcast, which is you're one of the hosts for. And I so am, yes. while we were on that, we're like, yeah, we should like do another one of these, but on the Philo side. So welcome. Why not? Yeah. Yes. Nice. You, you don't have to worry about uh, asking the questions. You just have to worry about answering them. So. I know. We'll see if I'm good at that end. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Nice. So we've sort of let the cat out of the bag. You're with Church Gear. That's your thing. But maybe before we, you know, maybe dive into what's going on with that, like how did you end up here? Like what exactly do you do and kind of what's your journey to getting to this point? Sure. I guess we can go way back to the beginning. Let's My dad it. was a music director at a small church in San Diego. And so at age 13, he said, hey, what do you think about jumping behind the soundboard? And I said, I don't know anything about it, but why not? Looks like fun. And it was a biamp 16 by four mixer. Like Love it. we didn't even have a Mackie yet. <laughs> I mean, we had a 70 volt center speaker. Whoa. It sounded like garbage, but right. you know, that's what we had. It was... 
1992 or something. Okay. So I started doing that and just had a real affinity for gear. I don't know what it was. I just, I loved it. And so I'd sit and like read the Sweetwater catalog while I was eating dinner. (laughs) I couldn't afford anything, but I could sure dream about it. For sure. And so I got, you know, definitely into sound ministry at church and then started to record and produce bands and started to lead worship myself and just really you know, enjoyed all things church worship and tech ministry. I, you know, had the bright idea that I could be the next Chris Tomlin or David Crowder, but that didn't nice. quite work out for me. I had, a, <laughs> you know, a, a lackluster career of making music and leading worship and have the boxes of CDs in the garage to prove it. <laughs> and when that wasn't necessarily paying all the bills, I just started buying and selling gear on the side. Okay. I found out, hey, I, I know gear, I love gear, and I sort of have this affinity for just finding good deals and then reselling it. And so I would meet someone at the parking lot at Guitar Center. I'd buy a drum set and a keyboard and recording equipment and okay. you know anything and everything. And I just quickly started to realize I'm, I'm better at this than I am at leading worship or I am at mixing audio. Okay. <laughs> so I started doing that full time. And then 2019 or so, 2018, 2019, I felt like God was just nudging my shoulder saying, you know, the, the church could use your skills in huh. this sort of gear flipping sense. And I hate to boil it down to gear flipping, but you know, he kind of right. gave me this vision of like, this could serve the church. Every church in America has this deep, dark closet that they pretend doesn't <laughs> exist with all their old stuff. Uh-huh. And maybe just consider, you know, doing something specifically targeted to churches. So built a marketing plan, built a website, launched the website in March of 2020. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, the timing was ironic in the sense that all of a sudden tech directors either had twice as much work because they had to stream or right. they're like, we don't have any live services, so I have a lot of time. So, yeah, let's let's go through these closets and start looking right. for gear. And then with the supply chain issue that quickly followed, the fact that we actually had gear in stock yeah. and then really, you know, our heart and our mission is to try and educate smaller churches that, hey, you don't need to spend $100,000 on a new system. You don't just have new gear as your option. Now you have a a trusted source in the used gear market to, you know, sound like the the cheesy marketing guy, but that's really who we want to be. It's like, hey, small churches, like come to us. We've got used gear and it comes with a six month warranty for churches. And it's, you know, a lot less than buying new. Sure. That's really, you know, we're trying to get it from the large churches that are putting in new systems every five to 10 years and get it back to smaller churches that don't have the budget of those guys. Sure, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Now, how long did you, were you just flipping gear just on your own from the moment yeah, you said, I'm uh, gonna do this like full time and until church in gear In 2004, okay. I was newly married and I saw a pair of Mackie, I think they were the SR1530, the sure, power okay. three-way boxes. And I yeah. saw them on eBay for 600 bucks. And in 2004, those were, those were the ticket. Yeah. Those were great. So I put in a bid of $600 because I knew they were worth twice that. And they Uh were in LA. I was in San Diego. They were in LA. And so I put in that bid of 600 bucks on eBay and I won them for 600 bucks. I was like, okay, this is great. I drove up to LA. I picked them up. I brought them back. I put them back on eBay for $1,200 plus shipping and I sold them. 
And I thought to myself, per hour, I just made, I don't know, 40 bucks an hour if you boil it down. And of course, in 2004, newly married, I'm probably making 12 bucks an hour doing whatever I'm doing. And I'm like, (laughs) I wonder if I could do more of this. Uh So from 2004 to 2013, I did it on the side while pursuing music. And then 2013, I just started doing it full time until Church Gear launched in 2020, 20, but I, yeah, it was wow. just me in my car, you know, meeting guys at Guitar Center. Sure, yeah. Yeah, in the scary back corner of the parking lot in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're still here to tell the tale, perfect. I know, and <laughs> yeah. Blake, who you've met, our co-host on the Church Gear Podcast, he's scared of everything. So anytime <laughs> he hears those stories, he's like, Toby, you're going to get murdered. They're going to kill you. And I'm like, Blake, yeah. I've done this 10,000 times. It's fine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah, I've done it a, a few times. And I think, yeah, one day was during the day and I bought a bass off mm-hmm. of somebody. And it, yeah, we met at a donut shop. It was totally, you know, like no big deal. But then the ones at night, you yeah. know, it's dark out. My wife's like, sure. can you just call me right before you get out of your car and just leave your yeah. phone on? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. It's, it's not a big deal. It'll be fine. Honey, I'm a man. <laughs> I don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, it's so great. Of course, my wife wouldn't say that to me. Blake would say that to me. He's like, Toby, oh, yeah. please call me before you get out of your car. Leave your phone on. I'll come right away and I'll protect you. Yeah. Blake will protect you? Yeah, okay. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. He thinks so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like the churches that are replacing gear all the time and have the giant closet or back room just full of stuff they're not using. And then there's the scrappy church that's looking for, oh man, I could, you know, I could really use this to further our ministry. Just it it feels like such a, a great use of kingdom resources to be able to pass that stuff on. We hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking a fun story because I know where your office is, uh-huh. is in the... Uh, uh, which campus of Willow? Yeah, Crystal Lake. Crystal Lake. So yeah. Crystal Lake campus seemed to be the gathering ground of yeah. all Repository is what I was thinking, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we reached out to Willow and Dave over there said, oh, yes, we've got gear. And it turns out it's right in front of your office. But yeah, I think we bought 35 pallets filled <laughs> with gear. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Willow has all those campuses and every campus is doing their own systems and just gear piles up and, you know, everybody pretends it doesn't exist. And yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Now for you guys, do you, like if you're taking on gear, what percentage of it is actually still usable or needs repair? Or are you you able to kind of just, you know, take something, you're only taking the things that you know, there's a 90% chance this is working. And so just going to flip it. Yeah. We get lists from churches every single day. We'll get, Mm -hmm. you know, five to 10 lists every single day and they'll send, you know, anywhere from one to 500 items. And so we'll price out everything individually, but we do say no to a lot of stuff. You know, if it's a Mackie 24 by four and four of the channels don't work, okay, you can, you know, please go ahead and donate that to someone (laughs) or the recycling bin. Right, right. We do have to say no to a lot of stuff just because it doesn't hold value anymore. And we also don't have the text to repair stuff. Sure. Only the, you know, the most valuable pieces of gear that have issues will we be able to repair or, you know, send it out. But as best intentions as churches have, they'll say, to the best of our knowledge, this works fine. But we're still hitting a, you know, 
10 to 15% failure rate on gear that they, you know, they took out of commission a few years back. It was working great. It's been in the closet for three years and we fire it up and it's got issues. Uh And so we definitely have a, you know, a pile of stuff that either needs repair, needs to be recycled, or we're just going to put it up as like, here's a QSC power light. One channel works, one doesn't. And somebody (laughs) says, hey, I just need one channel. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's all kinds. You never know who's out there. That's right. I guess the, the challenge, though, is keeping hanging on to that stuff. You know, it's like that. It's like any church that stuff can pile up and become overwhelming if you're hanging on to stuff. You know, indefinitely. Yep. Yeah, I've seen posts in the uh, like church media sound and tech groups where somebody, I think, just recently they had a full Sony camera chain and it was you know a few generations old and uh-huh. they just. <laughs> they're saying, I wish I would have sold this right when we took it out of commission when it was actually still worth something. Right. And now, you know, those camera bodies are maybe worth $50 each. And they're thinking <laughs> we probably paid 10 grand each 20 right. years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so you kind of have talked about it already, just like why you started Church Gear, you know, sort of getting a, a nudge from God that, you know, that maybe the local church could really use your gifts in this respect. How has that played out? Have you experienced the things that you thought you would? Have you seen or heard stories of churches that have really benefited from what you and your team are doing? I definitely didn't know what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I thought, okay, I, you know, I know and love gear and I love the church. And so let's put these two things together and just see what happens. Yeah. Well, what happens is there was a huge unmet need. I mean, we just brought back a 26-foot truck from California two weeks ago. Uh-huh. You know, we're all over the country getting this gear. So on one side, there's a huge need of churches that gear has been piling up for decades. And so, yes, please come purchase our gear, get it out. We don't have time, resources, energy. And so uh, it's so funny. I don't know if you could relate (laughs) to this, but back when I was trying to be the next Tomlin or Crowder, which Uh I'll publicly say I was never going to be that. But, (laughs) you know, you send press packets to churches like Willow Creek or any large church. And you say, hey, if you ever need a guest artist, I'd love to come. And they... You know, if they even respond at all, they say, oh, that's nice. And they pat you on the head and they say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why, why don't you, you know, try another church? We're, we're all set. Yeah. And now we show up to these churches and we buy their gear and they've literally said, man, you guys are rock stars. And I'm thinking <laughs> the irony of I was trying to be a rock star, you didn't care, but now, so it's been such a fun thing to see, you know, churches across America just be so thankful for what we're doing, purchasing sure. their gear. And then as we are, it's a big job to just try and educate smaller churches that buying used gear from us is a good idea. Yeah. Because historically, churches don't want to buy used gear because the failure rate, it doesn't come with a warranty. They don't have anybody on staff that can fix these things. They don't even know who to call if it fixes. So they want a turnkey solution that they really believe is going to work. And then most of the time, they just can't even afford it. So yeah. we're trying to meet that need. And so we've, you know, we've really had some fun run-ins with smaller churches where we've been able to sell them the gear they need, even with the supply chain issues where they're saying like, I couldn't get this for six months or 18 months and you guys have it perfect. This is great. So those things are just such fun wins for us. We'll get something, you know, that we know is going to sell in 10 seconds, like a yeah. Yamaha QL1. Yes. You know, nobody can get a QL1, but occasionally we'll get one. And so we'll just put it out to our church network who needs a QL1 and <laughs> 10 people raise their hand and just 
you know, the first church raise their hand. Yeah. Okay. You're up first. Yeah. Yeah. That's so fun. It's interesting though, too, just even thinking about, so you and your team are out at these big churches collecting the gear, but you're, you're generally not out at the smaller churches, like seeing how the stuff gets deployed. Does, do you have just the, the email conversation with people or are you just simply, you know, packaging stuff up and shipping it out? How do you hear stories back from kind of how, how the smaller churches are benefiting? Sure. That's been a tricky thing for us. So it's, you know, very tempting for us to, we buy a lot of gear and we pay for it up front. So we, we have to sell it. It's, you know, immediately a liability for us. So we can't necessarily, you know, as much as we'd love to put it in a van and just go drive to each little church and (laughs) knock on the door and say, what do you need? Like, we've got to put it online. We've got to get it sold. So we made a a decision recently, we've got to start investing in how we can build these relationships with these smaller churches. So Mm -hmm. we hired our first, we call him our director of church sales. And his name is Drew Hester. And he was one of the production leads at Liberty University. And his whole job is to try and build these relationships with small churches. So Mm -hmm. anytime a small church reaches out and says, hey, I need this, Drew is getting on an email conversation, phone conversation and saying like, yeah, we've got it. Is this is this what you need? Like, tell me more about your system. How can we help? So we have a church in North Carolina. They're meeting in a movie theater and the theater won't let them use their projector and okay. their projector died. And they're thinking, well, shoot, we've got a, you know, we're in a movie theater. So we need something with a lot of lumens Yeah, and we don't have much budget. And so they posted something on Facebook and we saw it. And so I just immediately connected Drew. And so Drew's been working with them and they've now bought two different 12K projectors from us, 5% of the cost of what those things cost new, (laughs) you know, 10 years ago. But they're still, they're going to work great for them for what they need. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. When you think about why you started Church Gear, I mean, how top of mind is the, you know, this idea of helping churches when you're fronting all this money and then you got to get rid of the stuff. I know from conversations earlier, like you had a warehouse, you've outgrown it. Now you have a second one, like just all those challenges, yeah, how complicated the business is, how do you keep, you know, why you're doing it at front of your mind? That's a very fair question that <laughs> it's very hard to keep that in the front of my mind when we're, you know, looking at the bank account and looking at payroll coming up and we're hiring yeah. more people and we're moving into a new warehouse. And yeah, owning a business is not for the faint of heart. Right. A little different than being a rock star, you know, the next a Tomlin. Bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I would you, imagine. you recruit... <laughs> You recruit a drummer and you're like, hey, I'll give you 150 bucks to play this show. And that drummer's thinking like, awesome, like perfect. But, you know, you move somebody across the country with their family and say, hey, I'm going to give you a salary and promise you a job. And now I've got to meet payroll every week. That's a scary endeavor. And so honestly, a big part of it is hiring men and women with the heart, with the mission. And so that when I get distracted by the you know, details of those things, I know they're carrying the mission. Uh They will keep that the forefront. So, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've relied on them to remind me like, hey, let's not forget why we're doing this. Right. And, you know, an opportunity might come our way that may not benefit a church. And we have to make a tough call to say, is this part of our mission to serve churches? Mm or is this just a distraction? Because there's, there's 300,000 churches in America and <laughs> you know there's plenty of business out there where we can do good things for churches without having to compromise that. But, right, right. but yes, as you, as you hire more and more and more people and your warehouse grows and your inventory grows and it's, it's a scary endeavor. 
Yeah. I mean, something that you said there, I think applies to all of us who are doing, you know, production ministry in the local church is that, that idea that the details do get overwhelming and the, the opportunity to kind of lose sight of what you're about is like, yeah, it's an everyday occurrence. And the reality is that I guess, number one, you need to kind of know what your mission is or what you're all about to begin with. Like you have to be real in touch with what that is so you can get back to it easier. But then also so that you can have people on your team that also know it that can remind you. I mean, I think it, yeah. it's so easy to get lost in the details or even this morning, I, I got a couple of events coming up that totally distracted by all the nitty gritty details. I mean, they need to be figured out certainly, but also there are probably bigger bigger things to solve that I'm yeah. you know, not spending time on. Yeah, we've definitely had to wrestle through that. What is our mission? And as any organization grows and every business book in the world is almost starts with, what's your mission statement? Yeah. So we've had to boil that down. And our mission statement is meeting unmet needs in church production because church techs deserve an advocate. And so what we decided is, yes, we buy and sell gear, but we wanna think bigger than that. How else can we serve the church tech community but also let's not try and recreate things that other people are doing really well. Right. So we don't wanna start cohorts of church tech people because guess what? Philo's doing that great. Yeah. And we don't wanna put on a, a conference because Philo's already doing that. And <laughs> we don't wanna have a subscription training service. MXU's got that. And we don't wanna right. be an integrator, you know, Amplio and Skylark and all those guys are doing that well. But as we've discovered, okay, first of all, purchasing used gear from churches, that is a huge unmet need. Yeah. And then having a reliable source of used equipment for small churches to go to, that's a huge unmet need. So how can we find more and more unmet needs in the church tech community that we can help serve? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so interesting from a distance, looking at what you're doing. I mean, everybody's got the closet full of gear. Yeah, it seems like an obvious plan, sure. but nobody's been doing it. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that it wasn't like as simple as, as it sounds, you know, to start something like this. Yeah, it's funny how often I hear, and it's totally a fair point. Like somebody says, yeah, I, you know, I had that idea five, 10 years ago. <laughs> I just never did anything with it. I'm like, yeah. yep, fair enough. Probably a lot of people had that idea. Right, right, right. And it's wonderful. I love it. People will give me their ideas on how to do it more efficiently. So, you know, they say, well, how do you get the gear? I'm like, we show up in a truck and we load up the gear. Now we do have a minimum requirement to do that. We can't uh -huh. drive to Minnesota for $200 a gear, you know? Yeah. The yeah. math just doesn't add up. Yeah. But, you know, we've talked about different options. Do we, churches in California, do we have like a shipping company? And then we tried that and realized we're sending, God bless them, but we're sending truckers to these churches and they're not representing our brand and our people the way we want. And so we sure. realized, okay, we can't really do that. Do we have these churches ship all this gear to us? And well, we're not meeting their needs anymore because now they have to do all this work that they don't have time for. So, right, right. you know, we've, we've definitely had to negotiate some hard conversations of how do we actually serve these churches and get this gear? And it's, it's a huge endeavor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just when your guys showed up here near our office, yeah, it was like an all-day thing. Or maybe, was it two days? Mm -hmm. Maybe it was all day. Yeah, I just like I think they did it in one day because so Brian and Blake went up there and I thought, you know, this is going to take two guys, two days and two trucks. Yeah. And Brian and Blake did it in one day in one truck. Yeah. I mean, they, they spent most of their time trying to strategically pack the truck. I mean, 
That's yes. Yeah. How do we get it all in here and not have to come back? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Willow was definitely competing for like most gear we've ever bought. And I think they like <laughs> quantity, I think they won. Well, there's so much of it. So much yeah. of it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, as somebody that I walked by that pile of gear almost once or twice a week, and yeah, just there was some there was some really good stuff there, some really awful yep. stuff too. But uh, there was some some stuff from you know 1994 that yeah, yeah. we said I don't think we can take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good. Now, is there anything just in this endeavor? Like, is there anything that surprised you or that you've noticed in the local church? Like, just a trend or you know something that you didn't know before? I think for me as being a worship leader for so long that I had my head in that, you know, worship leader, like I had, I had my head on stage and Uh it's so easy for the worship guys to forget how hard the techs work Mm. and how thankless their job often is. So as you know, for the first year and a half, I was on the road to every single church we bought from as the company grew. And so just to meet these guys, shake their hands and realize it was funny. A lot of them are very standoffish at first. They don't know what to expect. They're kind of, you know, Hey, you know, and then as they (laughs) warm up, as they realized like, Oh, this, this guy actually like is interested in who I am and what I do. It's, you know, Uh it was fun to break down those barriers and just see like, man, these guys work like crazy, like, you know, first in, last out. Yeah. And they only are noticed when things go wrong. And that's just a terrible place to be. And I know most of them are introverts. They don't want to be on stage, but, you know, just to, as a a former worship guy, like tell the people on stage, like, remember you sound good and you look good because these guys back there are making it happen for you and they're working their butt off. Yeah. So good. I mean, I think tech people are myself included in that group. You know, it's like, we don't want to be recognized, but we want to be recognized. Like, mm-hmm. let me stay in the booth in the dark, but you notice when I do something well, uh, yeah. but don't get me up on stage. Yeah. Just like, is the whole, what is that? A dichotomy? That feels like a big word, mm-hmm. but yeah, we want to be recognized, but we don't. Yeah. So yeah. good luck. And it's been really <laughs> yeah. fun to, you know, partner with Philo and MXU and all these, you know, different communities that are trying to bring these techs just out of the darkness into a community. Yeah. Like, hey, going off your history, you know, you over here outside of Detroit, like there are other techs in these other cities and why don't you guys get together and have community and bond together over the same problems you are all frustrated with. Right, right. Yep, it is fascinating how alike we all are regardless of our geography. Yeah. yeah, I think this year at the Philo Conference, from a streaming standpoint, the number one country as far as attendance was the U.S. The second highest was, I think, India. And mm. the third highest was Nigeria. So yeah, just like there are people in places that I will probably never go to that are a lot like me. Yeah. And they wrestle with the same issues that that we do, you know, in a different way, but in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're getting graphics late, you know, on Saturday night, just like we are, you know, <laughs> I mean, hypothetically, you know, not that that actually sure. happens, but yeah. So anything on the horizon for you guys? Oh gosh. What isn't on the horizon? We are in moving phase right now. We are, I mean, as I'm recording this podcast, there's half a dozen guys in the warehouse setting up racks, building shelves. We're moving from our old warehouse to our new. So that's crazy. The tech team is humming. We've got hundreds of items a week that they're processing through. So we're just in a huge transition phase. And then we are 
hoping and praying that we can get organized and efficient and then just start, you know, serving more and more churches. But really the, the easy part for us has been connecting with churches to buy their gear. Uh-huh. As okay. soon as they figure out like, wait, you come <laughs> to us, you pay us up front and you take it away, you load it for us. And so that's the easy part now. That's caught on like wildfire, but really trying to push the mission of how can we get this back into the hands of small churches? How can we help church plants put together used gear packages and spend a third of the cost? And so that's, you know, that's a huge priority for us over the next sure. year or two. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Any good way for people to keep in touch with you or sure. look out for you? Any events you're doing in the near future? We're everywhere all the time. So <laughs> obviously churchgear.com. Todd uh-huh. confessed to me that he was shopping this morning on churchgear.com. Yes, yes, so was, yeah. we have a thing called the early service. If you sign up on our website, churchgear.com slash early service, you get to see all of our coolest gear 48 hours before anyone else. And if you're also, if you're thinking, you know, hey, I'm looking for this, you know, reach out to us, sales at churchgear.com. So a lot about the website. We've got a podcast too, the Church Gear Podcast. And we've had you on there, Todd. Yes, yes. We just had Jeff Sandstrom last week, Corey Edwards, a lot of, you know, great guys in in the tech world. So the Church Gear Podcast, just one word, Church Gear, one word. Okay. We're on, you know, socials and then uh, we'll be at the MXU live events and we'll be, we'll definitely be back at Philo in May. So cool. Nice. It's, you know, if, if anybody's out there and thinking like, Hey, I'm going to be at Philo and last year you guys gave away the tech. Yeah. Shirts this year. I'd really love it. If you gave away this, you know, we're open for suggestions. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. I'll, I'll start thinking about what I would love to what I would love to receive from the church gear. Obviously. But tech, yeah, the, the shirt is in rotation at my house, so. That's right. It's a rallying yeah. cry for our community. <laughs> tech, <laughs> yeah. Tech, yeah. Love it. Oh, man, it's been so great to uh, catch up, and thanks for joining us. Thanks, Todd. One, two, three, I love the idea of what church gear is doing to help smaller churches. I mean, there's so much gear out there to be put to use. I'm just thinking of all the places I've worked and the closets full of stuff we weren't using anymore and how, you know, if we can put that in people's hands so that they can do more ministry with it, I love it. And really more than that, I love, as Toby was talking about, leading church gear with mission and not just buying and selling gear, trying to make as much money as possible. And whether you're running a business or leading a production team, learning how to lead teams towards something bigger is so important. And I can remember having conversations as a production team about, you know, what matters most to us. And, you know, it felt like mostly we we're just trying to not make mistakes, which really isn't a big enough reason to do production for me in my local church. And whatever your big reason is, you know, your mission, it's important for you to figure it out and then lead your team towards it. And it could be related to your church's mission or it could be something more production specific. But either way, you need something to lead your team towards. And just not making mistakes is not a big enough reason. And you know what? If you're the leader, no one else is going to figure this out for you. So this is really important work for you to sit down and work through. And I love that Toby is leading his company in that way. If you're interested in learning more about Church Gear, you can go to their website, churchgear.com, or they'll be at Philo 2023. 
along with many of our other partners. And you can come and hang out with us on May 2nd and 3rd again at Willow Creek Church. And if you come, you know, it's going to be a rich time for you and your team. So you can sign up today by going to philo.org. You can follow us on social media at Philo Community on Facebook and Instagram and at Philo Conference on Twitter. You can consider subscribing to our newsletter on philo.org or subscribing to this podcast to stay up to date on all things Philo. Remember, keep an eye out for new Advent things coming soon. All right, talk to you soon. Thank you.